Welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter. Alongside me is John Paulson. Of course, I always say alongside me, John, but you're not not really alongside me. I don't think we could be further apart uh, with you in California, me in St. Louis. But nevertheless, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. We could be further apart, uh, technically speaking, but we are quite a ways apart. So alongside, I think, is more of a metaphorical uh, phrase, right? So right. We're, we're here on the call together. Right. I don't think people. I don't think people are gonna are, are gonna crush us over it. So um, we got a lot to get to. A lot of updating you on key figures, including Andrew Luck's health and Josh Gordon's situation and Lashawn McCoy's situation. But tell us about the music before we dive into some some of the news and some of the other things we have in the pod today. Yeah, this is a, a band called Primal Scream. Uh, the The track is uh, called Rocks. It's the second track off of their 1994 album, Give Out But Don't Give Up. It's a, they're a UK band. Uh, the song has got a great beat, and uh, we'll put it on the uh, Most Record Podcast playlist, which you can find a link for in any of the podcast posts on the website, uh, or you can search for it on uh, Spotify. Beautiful. All right, so we've got... A new code that you can use for any 4 for 4 subscription. This gets you 10% off of any 4 for 4 subscription. Now, of course, is the time to dive into the subs. Uh, John's got articles com- coming out all the time. He's got his rankings coming out. Um, well, yes, the rankings are out, obviously, but updating all the time. We are starting to release some of the profiles, some of the scouting profiles on each player that's going to b- make an impact uh, this year in, in fantasy. So make sure you use the code TMAP. That's the most accurate podcast, but you just use the letters TMAP to get 10% off any 4 for 4 subscription. Make sure you do that uh, right away. All right, let's run through some of the latest news, John. We'll start off with McCoy. So according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, LaShawn McCoy will show up for training camp. And in fact, he, he did so today on Wednesday. Rap sheet adds that uh, unless his status changes with the league, you know McCoy has uh, was accused by his ex girlfriend of arranging a home invasion in which she was assaulted. McCoy has not been charged with anything; he denies everything. It's just kind of a, an unfortunate situation all the way around. John, how should fantasy owners tread tread here with Lashawn McCoy? Well, you know, based on what I've read about this, and this is speculation. Um, and maybe my own two plus two equals four type attitude, but there's quite a bit of smoke here with regard to uh, the the home invasion, and then the, the perpetrator apparently asking for specific pieces of jewelry uh, back that uh, Lashawn McCoy had previously asked for. Now this could just be uh, the accuser uh, saying that this this person has invaded the home said these things. So it's really murky, ugly mess right now. I d- it would not surprise me if, if uh, McCoy were involved. He has um, shown uh, poor decision-making in the past. If you remember, he had his Buffalo Bills uh, party where only females were uh, invited. That was last year, the year before, I believe. Uh, he put that up on uh, Instagram and then quickly took it down. Uh, so he, he, I mean, not that that equals this, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. Nothing surprises me anymore at the NFL. Uh, so I'm I'm proceeding with caution. Uh, you know, I'm hope this is not uh, the, the situation that he's in, but it does appear that he's in some trouble, and uh, we won't know for sure uh, if he's going to be playing in, in 2018, probably for a few weeks uh, at least. So I moved him down. Uh, I think there's enough red, fl- red flags uh, just with his uh, – 
fantasy stuff, just as pure football stuff, you know, the racking up of the touches, uh, you know, starting to show some signs of age, uh, the, the problems with the Bills offense, uh, you know, how often is this team going to be able to get into scoring position? Um, so there are some, you know, the quarterback play, you know, again, so there are some uh, red flags before this this came up. So now I sort of have a hands-off with him. I moved him way down in the rankings uh, just pending this because I really don't want to, to uh, suggest to any uh, 444 owners that uh, or subscribers that they should be uh, trying to uh, draft McCoy in the third or fourth round of, of fantasy drafts. And I suppose if he's there, fifth, sixth round, and you want to take a, roll the dice, you're willing to – to maybe take a zero on that pick, um, then you could take him there. Uh, Chris Ivory seems to be the primary beneficiary if LaShawn McCoy uh, were to miss any time, uh, but he's not a terribly good uh, pass catcher. They also have Traveris Cadet there, who is a good pass catcher, so that might be a, um, a committee-type situation where you have uh, Ivory in on first and second down goal line, and you have Cadet there playing third down back for and you know both players playing in a pretty bad offense, so really uh, neither player is uh, super exciting from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, one other thing to keep in mind too, John, is as we discuss the Bills, you know they face the NFL's toughest schedule weeks one through six, and they actually face the NFL's second toughest schedule of run defenses. So regardless of whether or not McCoy is going to be available all season long, or you're looking at if he does get suspended, one of their backups, uh, the 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 slate for the Bills' run defense is just. It's not good, and of course, with either AJ McCarron starting or the the rookie Josh Allen, uh, neither quarterback spot looks looks really neither quarterback situation looks really good. So, um, not a great outlook for Lashawn McCoy uh, or the Buffalo Bills. Let's transition into Josh Gordon. GM John Dorsey said that he absolutely expects expects Josh Gordon to play this season. Gordon announced that he was going to miss the start of training camp to address mental health and anxiety issues. Of course, he returned from suspension last year following years of substance abuse. I don't know if you want to do this right now, Josh, uh, John, but you could talk about Des Bryant too because there's been a link there that maybe the Browns will sign Des Bryant. Uh, how do you how do you view this situation in Cleveland? Yeah, this is uh, another concerning situation, uh, especially given Josh Gordon's uh, history, uh, missing games uh, especially, and then uh, you throw on top of it some – declining targets potentially with Jarvis Landry in town. He has a, a history of soaking up targets there in, in Miami. And obviously the, the Browns assigned him to, to boost the receiving core. Um, we don't really know what's going on with Gordon. Uh, uh, Adam Schefter did, you know, sort of boost his situation a little bit by saying that uh, Gordon did not have any slip ups or failed tests. And if Schefter is saying it, it's usually true. So um, that would, um, sort of alleviate the concerns that he's already been uh, undergoing tests and failed one and is now going to miss uh, X number of games heading the season. But this is really odd timing for him to be taking uh, another break or sabbatical or uh, time off, especially with the camp starting, but uh, maybe he needed it from an anxiety standpoint or something like that. Uh, and he'll just need a couple of weeks or three weeks and then he'll be back at camp before uh, the preseason's over and get a chance to get into the swing of things. But uh, I'm a little bit lower on Gordon than most of my rankings peers. Uh, and it's basically just a, a how big is the the, the pie of, of uh, passing uh, yardage and catches in uh, Cleveland and how much of it will go to Gordon uh, versus going to Landry or Duke Johnson or 
uh, Njoku, Njoku. Who's trying, yeah, who's trying to, uh, they're trying to get him more involved as well. Uh, they, they got the rookie Callaway at receiver, Corey Coleman as well. So, you know, I just wonder if, if Gordon will see as many targets uh, he has, he has been. And if you look at what he's done in his last couple of semi-healthy seasons, uh, he just hasn't uh, played at a super high level. I mean, he's been playing at a thousand yard pace, um, but uh, it's pretty far off of his, his best season, which was several years ago. Yeah, the, the Browns are kind of an interesting case study. You expect that they're going to be a lot better. As, as a lot of people have mentioned, they've got a ton of talent, but the coaching is questionable at best. I mean, with Hugh Jackson, I don't know how he how he you know kept his job um, through winning one, one game over the last two years. But again, the talent is there. I just don't know how everything's going to come together. I may wind up skipping a lot of Cleveland's skill position players just to see, you know, just kind of letting somebody else roll the dice there. Jarvis Landry was so good from a volume standpoint, but that was in Miami. You don't know how that's going to transition. And as you mentioned, you know, with all the mouse to feed in Cleveland, which is weird to say because, you know, there's an 0-16 team, but you're right. There's a, there's a lot of different people that they want to get in the passing game. Uh, I just might wind up passing all the way through with Cleveland. Let's talk about Andrew Luck now. Uh, Colts coach Frank Wright expects Luck to appear in the team's preseason opener against the Seahawks on August 9th. This is great news with Luck missing essentially a year and a half, nearly two years with that shoulder injury. How confident are you that he's going to be available in week one? And then where do you have him slotted in your rankings? Well, I would say at this point, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I would say that up until he started throwing and was was pain-free after the throw, you know, he began throwing, that I was pretty pessimistic, but I'm generally a pretty pessimistic person. Uh, so now suddenly I'm cautiously optimistic and I'm moving him up our, our uh, rankings. He's, I have him at 11 now in, in, uh, in the quarterback rankings. And uh, Luck is sort of one of those guys. I mean, if he's, if he's there in the ninth, 10th round, uh, he could be a, a league winning uh, pick for fantasy owners at that point in the draft. He is, been extremely productive when he's been healthy uh, in 22 games since the 2015 season he's averaged 278 uh, passing yards 2.1 touchdowns per game uh, 1.1 interceptions per game in that span that's uh, you know plus with his, his rushing yardage he's you know averaged 20.2 fantasy points per game uh, and that would have been the f- good enough for the fourth highest per game average last year 2017 so if he's able to play 15 16 games um and is back at that level, uh, he's going to be a fantastic value at his current, uh, current ADP, which is, you know, it's creeping up. I saw him go a little bit earlier in a recent draft, but, um, you know, he's been going in the ninth or 10th round and, uh, he, he probably deserves to be going earlier, especially at a position where you can take a risk and, and still be able to stream the position, uh, if he ends up, does end up missing time. Um, it's amazing to look back to see what Andrew Luck did playing all of 2016 with a torn labrum. I mean, he still threw for 7.8 yards per attempt. I, I'm with you. I think the, I think the guy is still an, really an MVP candidate, um, let alone a guy that can win you a fantasy league. I, 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 hope he's, I hope he's completely healthy. The AFC is so weak this year outside of the top teams that it would be fun just to watch teams that, that AFC South with Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck and Marcus Mariota and the, the Jaguars defense. And yes, I am avoiding saying Blake Bortles uh, in those other quarterback names. But, you know, so it's it's an interesting division. And, and the conference as a whole, John, makes 
makes it uh, more fun to watch with Andrew Luck healthy. So, again, hopefully he's, he's ready to go. Carson Wentz, coming off that knee injury from a year ago, he actually avoided the active pup list. Speaking of MVP, it, he, he may have won the MVP had he stayed healthy last year. He's expected to be limited to just seven-on-seven seven drills early in training camp. Um, but where is, where is his current ADP, and then what's his, what's his projection if he is healthy? Well, Wentz is another guy that I was like, oh, well, he's got the ACL uh, tear in week 14, usually uh, late in the season. You know, it's not a sure thing to be ready for week one. So I had him in my early, number two early rankings. I think I had him um, outside the top 10. I may have had him right around 10. I can't remember. But I I remember being sort of sour on him because I wasn't sure if he'd be available week one. Why would they rush him back when they have Nick Foles? Uh, available to start the month of September if he wanted to. I mean, he was a Super Bowl MVP. I'm sure he could handle, you know, four starts at the start of the season. Um, but, you know, all the reports have been that Wentz um, has been well ahead of schedule. Uh, I know ACL tears tend to take uh, less time than they used to. I mean, the, the conventional wisdom a few years ago is that a player needed a year before he'd be back to normal. But um, it seems like players are hitting the field six to eight months after their ACL tear, maybe ACL tear and maybe uh, it's it's a little bit easier for a quarterback as opposed to a, a running back or wide receiver uh, since they can um, sort of protect that knee a little bit uh, and maybe not take off and run as much as uh, Wentz did in previous uh, years. So I, I think his game might change a little bit and that he won't take off and, and run as much. But, uh, you know, he was the number two quarterback fantasy-wise uh, when he went down in week 14. So, uh, you know, if he's going off the board as the ninth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth running uh, quarterback, then uh, that represents, represents pretty good value. And he's another guy that could, uh, if he slips in your draft, he could uh, win your league for you if he's fully healthy and ready to play week one. You're talking about ACL injuries. I feel like Adrian Peterson completely ruined that injury for every every player that ever suffered an ACL because he didn't he come back in like an hour or something like that. Yeah, it was an hour and an hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, let's talk about Cameron Meredith. This is somebody I'm really I'm actually kind of high on John. When I looked at the Saints it, last year, Drew Brees threw for his lowest touchdown numbers. Um, and, and as a Saint, and his his fewest pass attempts as a Saint but his completion percentage was incredibly high. Now, the reason why I didn't put the ball in the air that much is because the defense was so good, uh, unlike previous years where he kind of had to do it do it himself. But really, you had, obviously, Alvin Kamara. You had Michael Thomas, but Kobe Fleener was ineffective. Willie Sneed was ineffective. You know, Brandon Coleman is what he is. I'm really excited about Cameron Meredith joining that Saints team. I think he's kind of got some sneaky value to him. Yeah, uh, and you wonder about the offense as a whole because they did shift so suddenly from uh, being very pass-happy for years and years and years and years um, to being significantly more run-oriented, and a lot of that had to do with how effective Mark Ingram was, uh, 4.9 yards per carry, 230 carries, 1,124 yards, 12 touchdowns, and then the addition of Alvin Kamara, um, 120 carries, 728 yards, so he averaged 6.1 yards per attempt and uh, obviously had a big role in the passing game as well. Um, Michael Thomas had 149 targets last year. Uh, Kamara had a hundred Ingram had 71. And then the next receiver uh, was Ted Ginn with, with 70. So with Ingram out the first few weeks, uh, I think they went after uh, Meredith to, you know, replace Willie Sneed's role, the maybe the Marcus Colston role in the slot. 
Uh, I don't know that he's going to see 100 targets in this offense, but he could see 80, 90 uh, and push push for 100 if things go go his way. Uh, he's a, I, I liked him uh, in Chicago. I liked him before he uh, had that injury, and uh, he was, I think he was one of my favorite middle-round picks that year um, prior to the injury, which was unfortunate. But, you know, for the Bears, he was going to be the clearer wide receiver one, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's a good route runner and very effective. Um, so he, he could definitely be that second option uh, across from Michael Thomas. Uh, the one concern I have is that Kamara gets so much work in the passing game that it doesn't necessarily leave typical wide receiver two type targets uh, for a guy like uh, Meredith. So, um, you know, and you also have Ginn there uh, with his speed. He's probably going to soak up at least 50 to 70 targets. So um, I do think, there's some upside here. I just recently drafted him in an industry draft um, because if this if this offense suddenly uh, bounces back, or if maybe the the defense isn't playing as well and they ha- they're forced to pass the ball more, then the pie gets bigger and then the, the pressure's off uh, on these targets, and then everybody should get their their fair share. I know you've been participating in various industry drafts, so I thought we could talk about what you've been noticing so far at each position. This is always interesting for somebody that wants to prepare for their draft. They don't really understand. They don't really have a grasp of how the, how the rounds are shaping out or how the positions uh, might be falling. Let's start off with the QB position. Is this as deep as the position that you've seen in a while? I mean, with, with how deep these quarterbacks go this year? Uh, yes. And I would like to add that, uh, you know, I've been getting some questions on uh, Twitter about whether or not I'm going to do the draft strategy series uh, with, some other experts from around the, the industry. And I am planning to do that. It may not be 10 or 12 uh, podcasts like I did last year, but maybe five or six. And we're just getting a little bit of a late start this year because of the construction around my house and it's how much I can actually record. Uh, but I am planning to do that hopefully starting next week um, with Mr. Andy Barron's. So from Yahoo. So um, getting back to your question, uh, we'll probably talk a lot about a lot more about this in that draft strategy series and over the next month and a half or so, but uh, the quarterback, I just wrote up the, our, my quarterback target sleepers um, and values article uh, that should uh, be published in a week or two uh, on the site. But it, just looking at the position, it was like hard to pick out t- you know, my targets. It was hard to pick out values and sleepers because just everybody um, there's so much depth at the position at the position. And it's almost uh, you don't need to even think about a quarterback in the first six or seven rounds. If, if you don't want to, if you just want to load up on your wide receivers and uh, tight ends and uh, running backs there and just, and just keep waiting and waiting and waiting because there's plenty of options at the, at the position. That's my two targets that I listed in that article or are, are two guys that I wrote about uh, in their separate art, uh, their own separate articles uh, this spring, Matthew Stafford, who is just really underappreciated, I think in fantasy circles is just, Studies that they come and he's got Jim Bob Cooter there back at uh, calling plays uh, for him, but he's been, he's been terrific with uh, under Cooter um, over the last, I don't know how many games it's been. Um, but, and then the other, the other guy is Patrick Mahomes is my other target. If, if he slips at all, I've got him right 14th. I know his ADP has been climbing. I had him as high as 12, but then, uh, you know, debating with him and, and Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger and, and then Andrew Luck jumping a little bit with his health. He's he's at 14 now, but I'd be perfectly happy uh, drafting him given the history of the, the Chiefs offense, the history of offenses under Andy Reid, and then how he's performed in his limited um, appearances for the Chiefs uh, in the preseason and during the regular season. I think he's got 
fantastic set of receivers to throw to uh, with Travis Kelsey, uh, Sammy Watkins, and of course, Tyree Kill. Uh, Kareem Hunt can catch the ball as well. Uh, so I think he's just in a really good situation to thrive. And um, he jumped out to me as a, as a great value early in the spring when he was going closer to the 20th quarterback off the board as opposed to the uh, 14th or 15th. But um, I'm not going to be heartbroken if I miss out on these guys. There's just so much depth at it, at the position. I'd be happy with Roethlisberger, you know, playing him in all his, in all his home games and, and his uh, good matchups on the road and then just streaming the position uh, when he has a tough matchup on the road, Rivers is Philip Rivers is steady as they come. He's had got like X number of uh, top twelve finishes in a row. Um, and Jared Goff came on last year after Sean McVay arrived in, in L.A. and you know his his receiving core I think got a little bit better with Brandon Cooks coming in for Sammy uh, Watkins. Uh, your boy Matt Ryan is solid. Marcus Mariota could bounce back with uh, uh, Lafleur coming in uh, to run that offense. I think the 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 scheme is going to be better. You know, Alex Smith is decent in Washington. Mitch Trubisky, he's got a bunch of weapons uh, now in Chicago and, and rookie quarterbacks who, you know, struggle uh, in their first season, but then turn around and get 15, 16 starts. The second season tend to have a big jump in, in points per game. I think it's 31% uh, in points per game jump. So I, I think he could even be higher given the, you know, uh, Matt Nagy's there running uh, that offense and uh, Allen Robinson, um, Trey Burton, uh, Taylor Gabriel, uh, and they got the uh, Miller, the, the rookie there at receiver. Uh, so just more weapons. And then, I mean, you're looking at Blake Bortles, who has got three straight top 13 finishes. I've got him ranked 20th. Um, so the, the, and then you even get into the guys like Tyrod Taylor. Like I have him at 28, but that Cleveland team, if he ends up starting 16 games or 15 games, he should finish top 15. Um, you got you have Josh Gordon. You're throwing to uh, you know Corey Coleman, Jarvis Landry, David Joku, Duke, Duke Johnson. Um, the team is probably not going to you know be leading a lot in the second half, so he's going to have to throw, and he also adds uh, a lot of uh, fantasy points in the in the running game as well. So you know even very late in drafts, if you miss out on these guys and people are drafting one or two quarterbacks, uh, you could still grab a guy like Taylor in the 14th, 15th round, and I think you're pretty good to start the season. You know, it's funny, John. It's interesting. I was We were talking about this on my radio show a couple of days ago. The the quarterback position in the NFL, I don't remember it being this healthy in in quite a while. I mean, when you, you just went, kind of went through everybody from a fantasy perspective, but when you're thinking about guys like Tyrod Taylor or Kirk Cousins or something, that's, they're, they're solid, serviceable starters now. I It used to be not too long ago, within the last five years, where you had your top guys, you had a decent second tier where, you know, like Matt Ryan and maybe uh, even an Eli before he kind of, he, he really fell off. But then, then that next tier was like, you didn't even want to touch those guys. And now you could go 20 deep and you still have serviceable starters, not only from a fantasy perspective, but a, a real, real football standpoint too. It makes the league, it makes the league very interesting. All right, let's shift over to running backs. Do you recommend hitting the position early, or are you kind of targeting the middle round running backs, and and that's what's appealing to you? Well, you know, a couple of years ago, I did a study that uh, you know showed that uh, early round running backs, the number one, number two picks tend to return value, but after that, uh, you may be better off going out uh, with uh, receivers, uh, especially in PPR formats or specifically in PPR formats because receivers tend to stay healthier. And then over the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, we went from a historically bad week, uh, year for 
running backs. I think it was three years ago to a historically good year uh, and vice versa for receivers. So things have sort of shifted if you look at the data. Um, but I'm looking at the position and I see, you know, 11, maybe 12, and maybe 13 if you want to include Jordan Howard, who doesn't catch many passes but should see plenty of carries. You know, guys with um, dependable workloads. Uh, LaShawn McCoy was in this group prior to his um, situation arising. Um, so, but, so that's made it even thinner with him being ranked significantly lower now in our rankings. Uh, but, you know, after, you know, Gurley, Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley, and Devonta Freeman. Um, and then I would add Jarek McKinnon to this list of guys I'm pretty sure are going to see, you know, a significant number of touches. Uh, workload's going to be there for sure. Um, that's 12. And then you're getting into guys like Kenyon Drake, Christian McCaffrey, who's kind of a passing specialist, Joe Mixon, who was okay last year, but not great. Uh, Jordan Howard, who um, is is really good in the, as, a, as a runner, but Tariq Cohen's there and is a lot better in the passing game. So how can how much can you trust Howard in PPR formats? JHI, Alex Collins, Rashad Penny, you know, Mark Ingram would be up there in the top 12 if he were not suspended. Darius Geis, Lamar Miller. I mean, if you're drafting these guys, you're doing a little bit of, uns- I think Lamar Miller is fairly safe this year with Dante Foreman still coming off that Achilles injury. But a lot of these guys, you're, you're kind of drafting them on spec. You're not sure that they're going to be the RB1. I mean, I think we feel pretty good about Alex Collins. We feel pretty good about Joe Mixon. Um, JHI feel okay about, uh, but, you know, it's it's possible Darren Sproles eats into his workload. Corey Clement works into his, his workload. Uh, Darius Geis has got to deal with Chris Thompson in the passing game. Rashad Penny is probably going to be the starter, but he's behind a really bad offensive line. So, you it you know, after those top 12 guys, it, there's kind of a drop-off in terms of uh, – uh, predictability. Uh, so if you want that at your running back position, it probably makes sense to draft at least one uh, in the first two rounds if you can, and then um, then turn your attention to other positions. But uh, I probably would go with one anchor running back and then try to do RB2 by committee uh, after drafting a few wide receivers or tight ends in the uh, second, third, fourth, fifth rounds. All right, we talked about the depth for the quarterback position. We talked about the depth for the running back position. How deep is the receiver position this season? Do you think that owners should be sure to take that stud early, or is it better to focus on other positions? Well, I think the receiver position is extremely deep this year. Uh, I'm just looking. I, you get In my drafts, I'm in the seventh, eighth, ninth round. There's still guys I'm excited to take, which I really don't necessarily remember that before. Uh, you know, maybe there's one ninth round pick there. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get this guy in the ninth round, you know, whatever. But, you know, there's been multiple drafts where I've gone a couple of running backs, three running backs early, and then I just pounded the receiver position, four, five, six guys in a row. And I, I feel like I'm getting guys with high-end wide receiver two potential in the ninth round. I'm, Randall Cobb's got a 905 uh, ADP, according to our site, and I, I think with – Jordy Nelson gone. He's going to be a uh, have a bounce back season fantasy wise. Michael Crabtree, sixth sixth round ADP, number one guy for Baltimore. Um, you know, walking into a lot of targets there. So there's just a lot of depth, and you could kind of like with some of these players like Devontae Parker or Kenny Stills. You know, with with 
um, Jarvis Landry gone, they're going to have to step up and they're going to have to, and they might see an additional 40, 50 targets each. Um, you can really talk yourself into a lot of these receivers um, in these middle rounds. So it, it uh, my, the drafts that I've been happier with have been a few running backs, two or three running backs in the first five rounds. And then a lot of middle round um, receivers, maybe one, uh, stud in the second or third round um, and then a bunch of guys to fill out the starters and then a couple of really good bench type receivers so that you're, you're looking at like five guys that you really like on your on your roster that's sort of how it's been this year given the depth of the position all right this is always a tough one each and every year but with Hunter Henry's injury it made the position uh, leave him even thinner so what can owners do about the tight end spot how do you find late round gems or is it better just to secure that stud tight end early in the draft, knowing that you you might bypass a really good running back or wide receiver in the process? Okay, I'm sorry. I had to take a moment of silence for for Hunter Henry and his injury. Every time I hear his name, I have to have a moment of silence. I was looking so forward to drafting him. Uh, I think he was ready to just bust out in this offense um, with Antonio Gates gone, but it's not to be. So let's move on. What is going on at the tight end position? I love these. I love Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz. I like Gronk, except for the you know the durability standpoint with him. I think you have three great tight ends, and I would like to have one of them in the first three rounds. Uh, Ertz sometimes slips into the fourth round, um, but if you look at the position, how top heavy it is, it's really valuable to have one of these three guys, even though that this is a onesie position and only, you know, owners only have to start one uh, per week in most formats. Uh, I really like having one of these three guys as an anchor for my, uh, as a, like just as, as a weapon at the tight end position. Cause otherwise you're looking at Greg Olson, uh, who's kind of coming, he's coming off of a bad season with the foot injury. He's going to have some pressure on his targets with uh, DJ Moore there and Christian McCaffrey, uh, which really what weren't there previous seasons there in Carolina, um, Evan Ingram with uh, Odell Beckham back. Obviously his target share is going to drop. Jimmy Graham, I think is a pretty good weapon for, for Aaron Rodgers, but I can't imagine he's going to see a ton of targets. I think he'll be a, web, a red zone weapon for them. Delaney Walker is getting older. Uh, I, I am sort of interested to see how he plays in the new offense. I think Jack Doyle is a nice value. He's going in the ninth round, uh, but even him, we're, we're dealing with uh, Eric Ebron coming in and the coaches talking up about how, how great of a weapon Eric Ebron is. So you wonder, Ugh. yeah, you wonder how much, like is if Doyle's going to be the number two most targeted uh, Colt, then he's going to be in good shape. If he's third, we're, we might be in trouble, but uh, Kyle Rudolph solid. But the, the, the one guy that I really, uh, I like in the in middle eight, late rounds is Trey Burton for Chicago. I think he's going to be a nice weapon for them, but you do have some upside guys and there always are some, unproven tight ends that are you know lingering there in the double digit rounds like uh, George Kittle uh, should have a breakout season with Jimmy Garoppolo but he's still a young tight end and young tight end struggle uh, Tyler Eifert can he stay healthy if he can if he plays 14-15 games you're looking at probably a top five season uh, he catches so many touchdowns for the for the Bengals um, I'm never interested in <laughs> rookie tight ends but for some reason my, I'm really uh, taken with uh, Mike Gusecki uh, he's just a phenomenal athlete. And, uh, of course, the Dolphins, we know, are lacking uh, at the receiver position with uh, Jarvis Landry out. So 
in the red zone, I could really see Gusecki, um, you know, maybe catching, you know, five, six, seven, eight touchdowns for the, for the, for the Dolphins if that offense gets going a little bit. Um, but then after that, it just kind of fizzles out in terms of the rankings. You're looking at guys like Jared Cook, Eric Ebron, Cameron Brait, which I, I sort of like Brait, but OJ Howard and, you know, uh, being the early dra- round draft pick and kind of coming on last year, uh, James Winston with the suspension. You wonder what kind of start he's going to get off to. Charles Clay, is his knee going to hold up? If it does, he's probably the best receiver that the Bills have. Austin Severian Jenkins, you know, these are kind of retreads. And then you get in Njoku, Ricky Seals, Jones. These are some Vance McDonald maybe in that Pittsburgh offense. I mean, there are some guys that, you know, if I'm taking a second tight end, that these are the types of guys I would take because uh, maybe they break out and give you a top 10 season. But if I'm looking at this from a whole, um, you know, I'm targeting a top three tight end. And if I don't get one, then I'm probably looking at Trey Burton in the eighth or ninth round. And then if I don't get him, I'm looking at like a Jack Doyle. Uh, or one of these other guys that I mentioned that uh, has top five, top ten potential um, if they stay healthy. Man, Russian roulette at the tight yeah, end position yeah. again this year. Uh, all right, John, always appreciate you know working with you on the podcast, and we're going to be doing the podcast pretty much every week from here on out, uh, assuming that everything can work out with schedules and everything. By the way, follow John on Twitter at four for four underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. Just for podcast listeners. You can use our code TMAP. Think about the most accurate podcast, TMAP, for a 10% off discount of any 4 for 4 subscription. Again, that code TMAP, 10% off any 4 for 4 subscription. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stoltz. We'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast. Yeah.